So come on, watch the video and subscribe. You will not regret it, it's some good material. Okay guys, we are continuing our teaching in Genesis. Last time we stopped, we were in chapter seven and Noah had entered the ark. And we have to remember that when he entered, he entered with all of the creatures, that is the species of the animal kingdom, everything that walked upon the face of the ground, of the unclean in pairs of two and of the clean in pairs of seven. And Noah entered the ark seven days before the rain. After seven days, the rain came upon the earth and it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. And the rain, the waters of heaven came down the flood gates from beneath, that is the oceans. They were released and the water enveloped the whole earth. And the last picture that we have of Noah was in the ark for 150 days as the waters remained on the face of the ground. All right. So now let's go to chapter eight. And guys, I think we should be able to do this pretty quickly because it's for the most part, predominantly, it's basically narrative. And we don't have as many repetitions as we did in chapter seven. But let's go eight and one. But God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the cattle that were with him in the ark. And God caused the wind to pass over the earth and the water subsided. Also, the fountains of the deep and the floodgates of the sky were closed and the rain from the sky was restrained and the water receded steadily from the earth. And at the end of 150 days, the water decreased in the seventh month on the 17th day of the month, the ark rested upon the mountains of Ararat. The water decreased steadily until the 10th month in the 10th month. On the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains became visible. All right. So it just simply says, verse number one, God remembered Noah. Now it uses the term remember, zakar. It doesn't mean that God simply forgot. It just simply means God brought to mind what God himself had promised in that the waters would not destroy the world permanently, but that it would bring an end to all life. So God is remembering or in other words, God is now acting towards Noah to reestablish life for Noah and the animal kingdom. And it said that God caused the waters to begin to recede, to dry up by the use of a wind. We see that same idea being stressed and we're not going to get into it now, but it will be stressed once again when the Lord causes a strong wind to move over the face of the Red Sea to cause movement of the waters. But here the idea simply is the drying up of the earth. And then it also says in verse number two, when it says the fountains of the deep and the floodgates of the sky, that is from the top and the bottom. That's what we talked about. The rain that was coming upon the earth, the rain that fell from the heavens and the floodgates of the oceans. God stopped the rain from falling and he caused the waters of the oceans to begin to return to their normal places. And he restrained any further raining from 
the sky so it didn't rain anymore. And so in verse number three, we basically see that the waters just steadily dried up. It dried up. So there was a drying up of the waters in the atmosphere of the heavens. And it was a receding constantly of the waters into the water tables of the earth and the waters move back into their places. So we just basically see a constant drying of the waters and the ark itself rested upon a place called Mount Ararat. Now this is basically a mountain region somewhere in the regions of Southern Russia and Turkey. It's a long issue, long region uh, of mountain ranges in that area. So we don't know exactly where the ark rested, but it was in that particular area. And we don't know where it was in the upper caps or the lower caps. We don't know. It just simply said, the scripture says it rested in Mount Ararat in the region of Southern Russia, somewhere Turkey, you know, that area. It's an extensive mountain range. And the waters continued to simply to just recede. Let's move. Then it came about at the end of 40 days that Noah opened the window of the ark, which he had made. And he sent out a raven, and it flew here and there until the water was dried up from the earth. Then he sent out a dove from him to see if the water was abated from the face of the land. But the dove found no resting place for the sole of her foot. So she returned to him into the ark, for the water was on the surface of all the earth. Then he put out his hand and took her and brought her into the ark to himself. All right. So basically six through nine. We see uh, Noah beginning to test to see how much has the water dried up. So he sent out two birds. A raven was the first bird. Now, a raven is an unclean creature. It's, it's classified as one of the unclean animals. And the reason for this basic classification was because the raven would eat dead things. The raven would eat dead things. So what it said, he first sent out the raven to see whether the 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 land was dried. What the raven did was the raven went out and he would land upon the carcasses, the dead carcasses from the flood and would simply eat those carcasses. And also the raven may land in high peaks of the mountain in order to live there. But the point is the raven would survive on the dead carcasses from from that those animals that died in the flood so the raven simply remained so when he sent the raven out the raven did not return so noah said let me send out the dove because the raven was not a good indicator to know whether or not the land was dry the dove unlike the raven a clean creature classification. Remember clean and unclean dove is classified clean. The dove would not eat dead animals. The dove would basically eat that which was alive or basically the, pl the plants and f flowers, things of that nature. So it wouldn't eat dead carcasses. And the dove would like to live, reside somewhere in the lower parts of the valley. So it wouldn't live in the higher parts. So in other words, if the dove returned, that simply meant that it still was not dry yet. So he sent out the, the raven. Raven stayed. He turned around. He sent out the dove. The dove returned. And that was an indication that it was still not dry yet. Okay. So he waited another seven days and again he sent out the dove from the ark. 
the dove came to him toward evening, and behold, in her beak was a freshly picked olive leaf. So Noah knew that the water was abated from the earth. Then he waited yet another seven days and sent out the dove, but she did not return to him again. So now we see him doing what? He's testing once again. Since he found out that it was not dry, he sensed, and it's probably the same dove, or even if it's a different dove, it doesn't matter. The point is, it was a dove. He sent out the dove again after seven days, and then when the dove actually returned, this time the dove had the dove had an olive leaf in the beak of the dove. Now, what you have to understand about the olive tree is it can survive submerged underwater and it can also grow underwater. Okay. But what it does indicate is the waters are continuously abating, it is receding, and the earth is getting drier and drier. All right. And finally, he sends out that particular dove as we are here now. And the dove did not return again. So that simply meant the land was now dry for the most part. For the most part. That may have been puddles of water, but for the most part, it was dry. All right. Now it came about in the 601st year, in the first month, on the first of the month, the water was dried up from the earth. Then Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked. And behold, the surface of the ground was dried up. It can, in the second month, on the 27th day of the month, the earth was dry. Now, here's something that I want you guys to see. Notice. So now we get another time parameter. Now it is what the 601st year in the first month. Remember, it was in the 600th year of Noah that Noah went into the ark. So basically what we have is... Noah was in the ark for a little more than a year, a little more than a year. Noah and all of those creatures were in the ark. Also remember too now, as we have in verse number 12, when that dove did not return to Noah again, that was an indication that the ground was dry. And notice what it said once again in verse number 14, in the second month, on the 27th day of the month, the earth was dry. So we got a full year, full year that Noah was in the ark. Now, here's something that I want you to see. I'm not going to talk about it until we get read the following verses. So let's go to verse number 15. Then God spoke to Noah saying, go out of the ark, you and you and your wife and your sons and your son's wives with you, bring out with you every living thing of all flesh that is with you, birds and animals, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, that they may breed abundantly on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So Noah went out and his sons and his wife and his son's wives with him, every beast, every creeping thing, every bird, everything that moves on the earth, went out by their families from the ark. All right, now, the thing that I want you to simply see is this, and I don't wanna spend a lot of time talking about this, is notice we had previously in verse number 12, Noah knew that the earth was dry. But even though Noah knew that the earth was dry, Noah did not take it upon himself to leave the ark. 
Noah waited until God told him to leave the ark. And the point is this, Noah went into the ark when God commanded him to, and Noah left the ark when God commanded him to. This highlights the obedience of Noah. And also, I think it kind of tells us a, a little something. It tells us something about presumption. You know, sometimes we can think that we can do things. Let me say it this way. You know, when the scripture says this, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge God and he will make your path straight. Or I think it says in the King James Version, he will direct your path. But the point that the scripture teaches is, in the wisdom of Proverbs, do not act before consulting the Lord. And here we see that same wisdom of obedience being stressed in the life of Noah. What is the point? Noah knew that the, that the ground was dry. But nevertheless, he didn't act upon his own intuition, his own intelligence, his own mindset. He waited until God commanded or God instructed him to leave the ark. Why? It was God who told Noah when to go. It would also have to be God to tell Noah when to depart. And I think that's great wisdom for us today. Before we do things, even when we think that the, it's evident and it's obvious what to do, still wait on the Lord, or should I say, seek the Lord's wisdom, his advice. But anyway, let's go on. Let's finish it. So he leaves with all of the animals and notice in verse number 19 is another point that I want to bring out to you guys. As the animals left out, notice every beast, every creeping thing, every bird, everything that moves on the earth. Notice what it says, went out by their families from the ark, went out by their families. That is, they went out by according to their kind. But what I want you to see here, guys, is order. Notice they didn't just, they didn't just notice everybody just cram and just cram. You can, can you imagine that scenario with all of the animals on that boat and all of them just leaving the birds, just flying, but note, it's a beautiful thing. It tells you something about God. Here's what you got to see. You don't see, you don't see Noah instructing the animals. It's almost as if it's innate. Now, the reason why I say it's innate is because the instructor in all of these things is God. So what do we see? The animals are disembarking. They are leaving the ark according as God is directing them. But how are they leaving? Not in a disorderly way, but they are leaving in a very specific orderly way. Notice how they came. They came by the direction of God in an orderly way. They are leaving by the direction of God. Also, what? In an orderly way. Again, a principal thing we can learn about God in all things. God is not the author of confusion. God does everything. Notice what it says. 1 Corinthians 14 decent and in order. 
God does all things in an orderly way. As a matter of fact, guys, even in the rapture, even in the rapture, we don't all just go up at the same time. The, the scripture teaches that even in the rapture, we go up each, each of us in our own order. So God does everything in an orderly way. Principle to always remember. But anyway, so let's finish it. We got to finish it. So then Noah built an altar to the Lord. I'm at verse number 20. And he took of every clean animal and of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. The Lord smelled the soothing aroma and the Lord said to himself, I will never again curse the ground on account of man for the intent of man's heart is evil from his youth. And I will never again destroy every living thing as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, and cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. All right, so when Noah departs the ark, he makes a burnt sacrifice to God. So here's basically what you have. You have, the, the because it is called a burnt offering, the idea is whole burnt offering. It is rededication. So what we have is all of creation is being rededicated to God once again. The whole burnt offering is a spiritual indicator that all of this is supposed to be spiritually, spiritually in service to God. That is the idea behind the whole burnt offering. It is all holy or completely given in service to God. And what is being given in service to God at this time? All of creation. That's the idea. All of creation. Remember when Noah in the beginning took, notice what he did, for the unclean animals, pairs of two. That means one male, one female in pairs. But for the clean animals, he took seven pairs, seven of those pairs. Now we see why Noah took those seven pairs. Why? Because what is said in verse number 20, of those seven, of each of those, can you, to be honest with you guys, it blows my mind. The size of that altar, the, the, how long it took Noah to do that sacrifice. Notice he took every clean animal. So from every species, from every species of every clean animal, from the clean animal of all the animals, from the clean animals of all the birds, he took at least one or maybe even a pair of each of all of those different animals. How many different species was it? All of them. He did that in order that it may be rededicated to God. That was a huge, huge burnt offering. And can you imagine the smoke that rose up and notice what the scripture says, into the nostrils of God. So as God is looking at that offering of Noah, as Noah is saying to God, I dedicate all of this, the whole idea is along with himself, along with my sons, along with our wives, I dedicate 
all living things back to you again. And as that smoke rolls up into the heavens, into the nostrils of God, notice the scripture says God thought it was a soothing aroma. In other words, it was an acceptable offering sacrifice to God. God accepted Noah's offering. And God responded with a promise. And here what we have when it says, and God said to himself, that is reflexive. That's what reflexive means. God thinking to himself. God speaks to himself. And now God vows to himself. What does God vow? He vows that as long as this earth remains, he will never destroy the entire earth. Now notice, he didn't say portions of it. He didn't say portions of it. He said, like I did once before. What did God do in the flood of Noah? He destroyed the whole world. So here God promises never to destroy the whole world by water again. But he does reserve, he does reserve the right to destroy portions of the world by water. And also we know finally the whole world will be destroyed again, but God will still keep his promise. It won't be destroyed by water. It will be destroyed by consuming fire. But nevertheless, the promise of God is that while the earth does remain, the seasons of the world will remain. That's what he referred to as the cold and the heat, the summer and the winter, the day and the night, the, the natural, normal season of the earth will remain along with seed time and harvest. That is the agricultural productivity of the earth will remain. So you don't have to worry about global warming because God made a promise that these things will remain. All right. <laughs> All right, guys, catch you next time. And we look at the covenant that God will make with Noah. And we will see how God will now begin to deal with mankind in another way. Have you subscribed yet? What are you waiting for? Subscribe now.